You want to take your company's growth to the next level and you know it's marketing that's going to get you there. You're ready to invest, but the big question, do you build an in-house team? Do you work with an agency? Do you do both? When do you do each one? There are three sub-questions that we're going to be asking, answering. Well, we're going to be asking them, then we're going to answer them. Which is going to get you the fastest growth? Which is better value? And which is the least stressful? Now, at Exposure Ninja, we've worked with hundreds of clients, both as their agency and working with in-house teams. And today I'm going to be sharing my advice on how to decide when to do each one. It's a bit of an in-house versus agency showdown. Let's go. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja and TikTok connoisseur. Uh, Exposure Ninja is a digital marketing agency. We help our clients generate more leads and sales through their websites, through things like SEO, content marketing, pay-per-click, email marketing, and building out websites and doing conversion rate optimization. And in our history of Exposure Ninja, we started out back in like 2012, 2013, working with tiny, tiny, tiny businesses. Some of them so small that it would be the business owner who would be doing all the sort of work in the company. And then there would be us doing the marketing. And that would be the entire team, right? That would be everyone who's involved in the growth of the company. And then as we've grown, so have a lot of our clients. And we now work with, you know, huge corporations that have massive in-house teams. Um, and we sort of help them. We do specific things for them. We consult with them or whatever. And as we've grown, we've sort of seen this, uh, we've seen businesses grow with us as they've built out different pieces in-house. They've worked with different agencies in different places. And it's something that people make a lot of mistakes with and they get a lot a wrong a lot. So we wanted to share our advice. If you're thinking about building out an in-house team, we're going to share some advice on how to do it. We're going to share some advice on which bits to in-house, which bits to outsource. And really importantly, the trigger points for doing it. Because a lot of the time, one of the main mistakes people make is they build an in-house team too early before something is well established and they end up taking loads of totally unnecessary risk and expense. So um, first thing that we're going to do is talk about the different marketing roles required in an organization. Okay, now in the video version of this, which you can see on our YouTube channel, I get out my iPad and do some terrible art. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain the diagram to you so that you're listening and you can, you know, picture it in your mind's eye. So in most growing companies, the marketing roles break down something like this. So I want you to imagine a pyramid. At the top of the pyramid is the marketing leader. This person is in charge of the overall strategy and direction of the marketing. The next level down in the pyramid is marketing channel strategists. Okay, these are people who are in charge of one or more digital marketing channels. So, you know, someone who owns SEO, someone who owns content, someone who owns email, someone who owns social. And by the way, if this is sounding like a lot of people already, these are just the roles. Okay, in the early stage companies, some people will do multiple roles. In really early stage companies, one person will do all of this and they'll probably be running the business as well. We'll come back to that in a minute. We've got a marketing leader at the top, then we've got sort of channel strategists or channel owners underneath that. And then underneath those, we've got channel doers. So these are the people that actually carry out the work. So, you know, the people who write the content, the people who make the posts for social media, the people who run the PPC ads. There's also a support crew of people like designers, developers, editorial staff in this group as well. So we've got this sort of three-tiered pyramid. And as a company develops, they put people in between these tiers and, you know, all that type of stuff, of course. Now, there's two things to keep in mind when we're thinking about this pyramid of marketing people or pyramid of marketing roles. The first is that some of these roles will be in-house 
some of them will be agency, and that will change over time. And I'll explain later how to decide which should be in-house, which should be agency in just a minute. And I'm going to give you tons of real life examples from clients as well. The second thing to keep in mind is that as the company grows and the marketing becomes more sophisticated, the areas that each person owns become smaller and more specialized. Okay, so as the company grows, the areas that you know, each role will become smaller and more specialized. I can give you a really straightforward example. If you're a very, very small startup, there might be one person who's doing SEO and web development. And you know, they're maybe having a go at the PPC ads or whatever. When you get to a large multinational e commerce titan, you might have one person whose entire job it is to optimize the site speed, for example, right? So as time goes on, the roles become smaller and smaller, and more specialist. So those are the two things to keep in mind. Now, before we go into how to break these down and how to transition between the next between each stages, let's talk about the different stages of company growth. And I'm going to give you some examples of exposure ninja clients past and present to sort of illustrate these. So here's the typical journey that we've observed over the years in our clients as they grow from really tiny startups all the way through to enterprise. Now in a very new unfunded startup, the business owner does all of the stuff in that marketing pyramid. One person does all of those roles. Lucky you be your own boss, they said. (laughs) Now let's call this phase one. So phase one is the business person, they are doing absolutely everything themselves, they're doing all the marketing and they're doing the running of the business, they're doing the accounts, they're doing a customer service, you know, you remember those days if you're a business owner. Now in phase one, the business owner is absolutely fried. They hate every second of their life. If my personal experience was anything to go by, they're scrabbling to get marketing traction, they're working ridiculous hours, and they're feeling really guilty because they know that they're not paying enough attention in any one area to do it real justice. Now the danger in phase one is that the business owner runs out of energy, money, or they just get completely fed up before they get enough traction, before they start being able to sell enough stuff with their marketing to move to the next phase of growth. Okay, so the business owner at this point has two options. They can either hire an agency and liaise with that agency directly, or they can continue doing the marketing themselves to get enough traction. Now often the best option, actually, you might be surprised because I run an agency, the best option actually a lot of the time is for the business owner to do some of this marketing themselves until they have the budget to invest in a decent agency. Okay, if you're a very small business, and you're thinking about giving you know, all of your revenue to some marketing agency, and you're doing you know, very, very low four figures in revenue, and you're just thinking, right, we're going to pay an agency $1,000 a month to do our marketing, and they're going to save us, you're probably going to have a bad time. Okay, because it's very difficult for an agency to be any good at that sort of price point. Anyway, either way, the sooner the business can scale to the next phase, the sooner they can hire, make this first really important marketing hire. Now, one example of a business that we've worked with in this phase is a B2B e-commerce site. Now, in this business, the owner is blessed slash cursed with uh, good knowledge of Google Ads. They've run Google Ads for the business, they've run it for years and years and years, and they've got it to a really good level. Now, they might not know the theory of Google Ads, they might not know all of the in-depth stuff that they could be doing, but because they've run it for their business for so long, they actually know it pretty well. And this is both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it's helped the business to get to a reasonable scale, but it's a curse because the owner is now so attached to running their Google Ads that they're too busy to do anything else. They're too busy to oversee other marketing times. They become completely 
over-reliant on one particular channel. So at some point, if they want to diversify, should anything happen to Google Ads, they're going to have to take a risk and increase their investment in marketing and build out extra channels, make an important hire and get some additional help. Because an owner running the company's only marketing channel is a great way to start, but it's not a viable long-term strategy, okay? So eventually what needs to happen is the business needs to move into the next phase, which is we're going to call phase two. Now, as the company grows, they're going to hire a marketing leader. This person is going to sit at the top of the pyramid and they are going to steer the marketing. So this person is usually in charge of planning the marketing overall, deciding where to focus their limited resources. Often this person isn't hired as a marketing leader. They're hired as a marketing person maybe on a fairly low salary, maybe an assistant. And they don't realize they're being hired as a marketing leader, but quite quickly they become the marketing leader because the business owner is too busy to work on this stuff themselves. This person may start off running one or two of these, the digital marketing channels themselves, particularly if they have certain experience. Now they usually hire an agency to do another one or two channels. Okay, so they're starting to get some traction across a few different channels, which gives them a bit of uh, a bit of resilience should anything happen to any one particular channel. Now, because this person is being paid a salary, the cost of the marketing has increased. Therefore, sales also needs to increase in order to cover that. And that's really important. Now, an example of a client in this phase or uh, as a financial services firm we've worked from. So they'd grown the business using offline means. So referrals and word of mouth and that type of stuff. And they wanted to scale. So obviously they needed to bring it online. So what they did is they hired an experienced marketing person and that person's basically their job was to find a great agency and start testing different marketing channels to see what worked and building out those channels to become strong sources of leads. That marketing person oversaw all of our work and gave us direction. They are our point of contact, okay? Having someone dedicated to oversee and grow the marketing is a really important step. And in our experience, massively increases the likelihood of growing into the next phase, which we're going to call phase three. Now in phase three, the business is going to start to expand its marketing into more and more channels. Okay, so whereas in phase two, they might be reliant on maybe one, two, three channels. As they get into phase three, they're running a more sophisticated operation, they're starting to expand into a few more. Now marketing leader and the agencies that they're working with will have built a picture of what works and what doesn't they'll be more in tune with their market and they'll know what makes customers buy better. So at this point, they've got what we'd consider to be a pretty scalable uh, sort of a scalable offering. They know what works, they've established what works. And now it's just how do we get some more firepower to this thing? How do we just add some rocket fuel? Okay, the company at this phase may add a marketing person to help out with some of the day-to-day tasks. So you've got your marketing leader, they might hire someone to do some of the day-to-day type of stuff to do things like, you know, writing content or running the emails or, you know, taking over some of the day-to-day type things. They'll likely also be working with an agency to advise them and provide specialist support in some of the key channels they're working in. Now at this stage, the marketing cost will have increased quite significantly because they're now using more channels. So they're spreading expertise across more uh, different sort of pillars, if you like. And they're doing all of their marketing at a higher level. So they've moved beyond the basics and they're really starting to compete well in their market. They're starting to get some traction. In SEO terms, they'd be starting to challenge for, you know, page ones and maybe top half of page ones. In pay-per-click terms, they'd be starting to scale their ad budget or adjet as you might want to call it. Uh, But the growth at this level can be quite significant because the marketing leader is getting very high leverage on their time. Okay, because they're working with these different people, they're working with agencies, they can get quite high leverage. Because they're outsourcing the bulk of the doing work, the legwork, 
there's very little people management or costs for the marketing leader. So the marketing leader at this point is actually leading a pretty decent life. They don't have loads of direct reports. They're working with agencies, so they don't have to necessarily worry about that stuff too much. And it's very scalable. A business at this point is very scalable. You can get some massive percentage year-on-year increases at this point. Now, an example of a client in this phase is a services firm uh, with a marketing leader who oversees all of the marketing activities across the entire company. They also have a marketing assistant type person who actually liaises with the agency day to day and they handle some of the ongoing marketing tasks. So stuff like writing emails, posting on social, doing web copy. And that's a really efficient operation for the company because they've got basically two employees, the marketing leader and the marketing assistant, and then everything else is outsourced. So it's fairly lean, it's very easy to the run and it's pretty minimal stress. Now, as the company expands further into what I'm calling phase four, some of the channels that they're working in will become more established. So as these channels become more established, the business might consider hiring in-house expertise in some of these areas if it knows that these are going to be long-term priorities. So let us let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say that you're an e-commerce business. You sell through your website and you sell on Amazon. And Amazon has been a really consistent sales driver for you. Well, you may choose to hire a dedicated Amazon specialist to work purely on your Amazon listings. You know, optimizing, making sure that your prices are all, you know, something like repricer where you're making sure your prices are optimized, um, maybe building out the customer service side of things as well on Amazon. And, you know, maybe you've got a large social following. So you might build an in-house social team because you know that's going to be core to your business forever. Now, there's a couple of keys here. Firstly, it's an established channel. It's working. And secondly, you know that this is going to be core to your business. What you don't want to do is be like, oh, yeah, you know what? We should we should start. Um, let's start TikTok. And then just go out and hire a TikTok person because you've taken on all that risk before you actually know that this is going to be an established channel. It's a very common mistake, which we'll come back to later on. Now, because you know that these areas are core to your business and you're happy to commit to them long term, the risk of hiring in-house staff is offset by the cost savings. Okay, so if you're basically working full time on Amazon and you're hiring an agency to do that and it's like full time for someone at the agency to do your Amazon listing, you're going to be spending way more than you need to on that. If you've got someone working basically full-time for you in an agency, you're going to be well overpaying for that work because, of course, you're paying the agency fees as well. Whereas if you have someone in-house who's working full-time for you, then it's significantly cheaper. Yes, you have to manage them. Yes, you have to pay for all their benefits and stuff, but it's still going to be way less than if you're paying for that massive utilization at an agency. Now, of course, the caveat is if actually you've got someone working at an agency 15, 20 hours a month for you, then that's nowhere near enough to justify hiring that person in-house unless you know that scaling the input, the work, the hours, is massively going to scale the output for you. Um, Right now, in this phase, the business is usually going to hire agency help on a consultancy basis to work with any in-house teams. One of the problems that we see with in-house teams, they can get very siloed. They can sort of lack context about what's working out there because they're just working in one business. So it can be really useful for an agency to be able to work with that team on a consultancy basis and say, well, okay, here are some things that we've noticed actually in a different industry to yours, but they're working really well. And we think that you could apply those things. So it can be really useful to have outside expertise that can provide that sort of wider context. The business at this stage will also use agencies for more specialist or technical work that doesn't justify in-house staff. So web development is a prime example of this. Very often makes little sense for businesses at this stage to have their own web developers or that you know their own uh, sort of coding teams 
because there's just simply not enough work for them. So even if they end up paying a higher sort of comparative hourly rate to have an agency do it, it still works out better value overall. And um, they'll also often use agencies for testing out new unproven channels because they don't want to have the risk of hiring someone in-house only to find that actually this doesn't work or the approach that that person takes doesn't work, but now we're stuck with the person. Now, an example of a client in this space is a SaaS business we've worked with for many years. We helped them establish search as a key channel for them, and eventually they decided to start building their own content team in-house. So we helped train them and we helped work with them on strategy. They use us for more technical work, they use us for the consultation for their, uh, their, their content team, and um, they've used us for channels that it doesn't make sense to hire someone in-house for. Interestingly, they've also actually recently sort of reverted back to using an agency, but that's a different a different conversation altogether. Um, but yeah, they actually found that the headache of managing the in-house team and hiring the in-house team in the first place was um, was quite significant. So they've en- ended up using us more, but that's a different story. Anyway, eventually the largest companies usually have extensive in-house teams in all of the marketing channels that they're working with and they work with agencies in these areas too. So that's where you're kind of going to one day is you'll have extensive in-house teams for every different marketing channel that you're working with. And normally at this point, we're talking about like many, many, many millions in revenue. So either eight, nine, or even 10 figures in revenue before you'd have dedicated teams. Some of our clients are, we've got clients that are uh, 11 figures in revenue. Is that right? So nine figures, yeah, maybe nine, 10. So like over $20 billion in revenue, and they have no one in the business that is dedicated to most of their digital marketing channels. Okay, so it really depends on the industry. It's just, you know, if if you're like totally reliant on digital, then you'll have people who are very specific on the digital marketing channels. If this is just, oh, you know, oh, we also use digital, then a business like that will operate, you know, they might be phase four size, but they'll only have a marketing leader. So they'll be like phase four size, but they'll be at phase two because digital just hasn't been much of a priority for them. Now, you might be wondering how you know when you're ready to move to the next phase. When am I ready to build an in-house team? When am I ready to hire an agency? That's exactly what we're going to be covering next, along with some of the most costly mistakes to avoid, based on a lot of personal experience when doing either one of those two. Before we do that, though, if you want to help with your digital marketing, the team at Exposure Ninja has a fantastic free service that we run for you. It's really amazing. If you haven't requested this, then please do so. You may have heard about it a few times, but if you haven't requested it, go and do it today. It's called the Free Website and Marketing Review. In this Free Website and Marketing Review, we ask you a few questions and a short questionnaire on our website at ExposureNinja.com. We ask you about your business goals. Uh, We ask you about uh, what you're doing currently, where your focus is lying. Of course, you can give us information about who you've got in your team and who you're planning to hire as well. We can build all of that into your review. We then take a look at your website, your digital marketing, and your competitors, and we map you out a prioritized action plan that you can follow over the next 12 months. We send this to you as a video, and the video, we usually send it two to three uh, working days. You go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review to request your free website and marketing review today. It is phenomenal. Go and check out the reviews on Google for it. It's uh, very, very popular. Okay, so when are you ready to hire agency? When are you ready to build in-house? And what are the most common mistakes that people make with either? Let's talk about agency first. How do you know that you're ready to hire an agency? Now, as an agency owner, you might expect me to say that it's always a good time to hire an agency. You should do it right now. That is absolutely not the case. Hiring an agency before you're ready can be really dangerous. And hiring an agency without the right roles handled in-house can be really inefficient. So in my opinion, it's a good idea to have a product or service that you know has proven demand, either because you've sold stuff in the past, or you can see others are selling similar sorts of stuff or to a similar audience, and you know that you can compete with them, okay? 
What you don't want to do is take a bad product with very little idea of how you're going to sell this thing and try and find the best agency in the world because the best agency in the world will not be able to sell a bad product or something that people just do not want. And you can trust me because we have tried. We have smashed our heads against the wall so many times, I can't even count, trying to sell a product that the market just does not want. And it doesn't matter what we do, it doesn't matter what ninja stealth tactics we deploy, if we can't get it, you know, if people don't want it, we can't make them buy it. Now, these days, we don't even take on that stuff. In the early days, we take on anything. We take on, oh, yeah, this looks really weird, but hopefully we're going to be able to find out a way of selling it. Today, we don't even take that stuff on. So don't worry if, if that's you, we'll let you know. And we'll probably let you know in the review. Uh, we wouldn't even get to having a conversation about becoming a client. And um, the other thing that you need to do before you're ready to hire an agency is make sure you've actually got the budget to invest. This is a really common mistake. People look in the bank account and go, yeah, we could afford this agency for like three months. And then after that, they'll probably be, you know, we'll probably be making so much money that we can just pay them from the millions that we're generating in profit. Well, hiring an agency for three months and sort of giving them that as a launch ramp is rarely going to get traction. Every single one of the clients that we've blown up, and I'm talking from personal experience, every single one of the clients that we've blown up, every award we've won, every crazy case study has come from a business that we've worked with for at least a year. You need to be willing to commit and you need to have the means to commit if you're going to be going with an agency. If you're not ready for that stage yet, I would advise you to get stuff going yourself, get enough traction yourself so that you can then build up a bit of cash that you're ready to invest. Okay, so mistakes that people make when they're hiring or working with an agency. The first thing is thinking that hiring an agency means everything just happens automatically, right? No input required from me. I'm just going to go to the beach and Exposure Ninja is going to blow my business up, okay? Now, I have to caveat this because there are a couple of times when this has happened, but it's incredibly rare. So let me explain. We've got a, uh, we've had a long-term legal client who we almost never heard from, right? Wouldn't reply to the emails. They wouldn't even turn up to the calls, whatever. Just paid their invoices. They just left us to do our thing. They gave us access to the website. We built it so we had access. And they gave us auto approval on anything that we would do. And we just got on with it. And it worked really well for them. We blew up their traffic and generated more leads than they could handle, which was one of the reasons why they didn't have ever any time to talk to us. But we've also had clients in the past who we almost never hear from, but they do require that we get approval on everything. And we get this sort of hemorrhaging effect where we're doing a whole bunch of work, we're sending it to them, like you need us, you, you, we need to get your approval before we can post it, or we need you to post this stuff on your site if it's going to have any impact. And they're like, yeah, we're just super busy, I'll get back to you later. And that really doesn't work. Because in digital marketing, you get results for the stuff you implement, not just for the work that you do in a Google Doc, right? There's no point writing an amazing blog post. There's no point mapping out a beautiful ad campaign. There's no point coming up with some amazing creative content if it's just going to sit in, in needs approval for the next six months, right? It's completely pointless. So businesses either need to allocate the time to working with their agency or leave the agency to just do their thing. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about like you need to be on call at all times, ready to spend hours and hours going through mountains of stuff here. But if you can't assign at least a 30 minutes to an hour per week on working with your agency, usually you either need to just say to them, right, just go for it, just, you know, do what you need to do, give your auto approval, or you need to consider whether or not you're actually ready to invest 
in an agency if you just don't have that time to be able to work with them. It's the same with anything, right? Um, okay, let's talk about in-house then. So how do you know that you're ready to build an in-house team? Well, my first piece of advice is to make sure that the channel, both the channel and the approach are proven. Okay, so both the channel and the approach are proven. Until a particular marketing channel and an approach is proven and you can prove that there is ongoing demand, committing long-term to building out an in-house team or even just hiring people in-house to me makes very little sense. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say a company has been running PPC advertising. So they're running like Google ads um, using an agency and it's been hovering around break even for some time. Well, the company decides to take it in-house. They say, right, okay, maybe if we had someone dedicated in-house, we could improve the profitability of this channel. Now, in some cases, it turns out that it actually doesn't. It doesn't matter how much time you throw at it. This is just a very competitive channel and the cost per acquisition is about equivalent to the cost, you know, to the net profit in each sale. But now the company has a PPC specialist on their payroll. And most importantly, they don't, they're not able to try a different approach because they've got one person. So that marketing leader is now thinking, well, I don't know if my PPC specialist is just bad or if this is just a really difficult channel for us because they can't switch. If you're using an agency, you can switch. You can either switch to someone else in the agency or you can switch to a different agency. If you've got that person on your payroll, much more difficult, painful to do that. So the more sensible approach in this sort of situation would be to keep exploring with the agency or switch agencies to get the channel to profitability. Once you've got a proven approach on that channel, then they could consider in-housing if it makes sense for the other reasons that we'll cover later. Another example, let's say a company sees, and this is really common by the way, a company sees great success with something like email marketing, okay? So their agency sets up loads of automations, uh, loads, you know, basket abandonment, checkout abandonment, um, repurchase reminders, review reminders, all this type of stuff. So loads of really great automations and the thing blows up. We see this quite a lot when we get into an email marketing campaign, we can do a lot of work in the first few months that generates really high ROI. Now, let's say the company says, wow, okay, this looks really cool. Look at all the revenue this email thing is generating. Let's double down and hire someone in-house to do our email marketing. If we had a specialist on this, we could push the channel even further. We could add some regular broadcasts to our marketing mix. Now, the trouble is the ROI on broadcasts is typically way lower than those automations, but the automations require virtually no ongoing management at all. So the company now has the long-term fixed cost of an in-house email marketing specialist. They can't transfer that budget to another digital marketing channel or area because they've got this email person. But all of the low-hanging fruit in that channel, or most of the low-hanging fruit on that channel has already been taken. So they've kind of looked at the initial, it'd be like, oh, wow, our new website is performing really well. Let's hire a developer. Well, you don't need to hire a developer because you've got your new website, right? You don't need a new website all the time. So it's about looking at these channels and saying, okay, how much of the expertise is done up front? And then how much of the expertise is actually required ongoing? There are some channels which require loads of sort of uh, ongoing work and there are some channels which require very little so it's being very clear about that when you're building an in-house team you want to know exactly what these people are going to be doing you want to know that you're fairly sure that throwing loads of hours at this is going to produce dramatically better results you want to imagine that your team is going to be sort of 75 80 85 percent utilized on the tasks that you're planning for them if you're not planning to utilize them that much, or you think utilizing them that much isn't going to generate significantly high ROI, then the question is, do you actually need that stuff? All right, let's talk about some mistakes that people make when they're building an in-house team. The most common in-housing mistake above anything else is trying to hire unicorns. Let me explain. 
Almost every business now is competing on every digital marketing channel with competitors that are using specialists with deep expertise. For example, if we go back 10 years ago when I started Exposure Ninja, half of the pay-per-click ads on Google were run by semi-clueless or fully clueless business owners and amateurs just having a go. It was really easy to get incredible results on Google ads because a lot of the stuff we were competing against was total dross. You know, people targeting the wrong keywords, people targeting from different locations. Those days are gone. Today, that approach will be financial suicide. Those people are weeded out because the costs have increased so much and because there are so many specialists now focusing on that one channel and that one channel only. Over the years, we've hired hundreds of digital marketing specialists and we've noticed that the field of expertise that we can expect of any individual has narrowed considerably. In 2014, using myself uh, as an example, so I would have happily had a crack uh, running PPC, I would have run Facebook ads on Google ads, I would have done some SEO, I would have written content. I've even dabbled in WordPress development. I built our first website. Well, fast forward to today, all of those areas are way more competitive. Because I haven't dedicated myself to specializing in any one of those specific areas, I get eaten alive by our specialist teams here in Exposure Ninja. I wouldn't run Google ads at all. I would go nowhere near a Google ad account. Now, of course, I know how to read the ad account. I know how to see what good results look like. But when I'm actually implementing, it's a specialist that is doing that because they have that deep channel expertise. They have a range of experience over different accounts and different industries and different clients. That means when they run the ads, they get way better results. So what do I mean about hiring unicorns? Well, let's say today that you're running an SEO campaign, you've got content marketing, you've got pay-per-click. Now, if we're doing that for a client, here are the cast members involved. There's a PPC strategist, a PPC specialist, and that's for each channel. Okay, so Google, Facebook, different channels. Amazon, different channel. Uh, then you've got a designer for the PPC ads that are on more visual platforms like Facebook. You've got SEO strategist, technical SEO, developer to implement the stuff that we're recommending. You've got a content marketer, you might have someone specifically doing outreach, you might have someone specifically doing writing, and then you've got editorial who's going through all of the copy that's produced. And then you've got a project manager joining all of them together. So you've got this massive cast that's running actually a fairly small number of channels, but they're all highly specialist in their areas because they need to be because they are competing against other specialists in their areas. But what happens? Well, typically what happens is there's a very stingy business owner that thinks I'm paying an agency the cost of three full-time staff here. I should just hire three full-time people and they can do all those things, right? What they don't realize is that the agency is using a team of 10 specialists to cover all of the elements of that work. And that typically outperforms generalists who are trying to spin lots of plates at the same time. So those three people that they're looking for, they, my friend, are unicorns and unicorns do not exist. Our, our recruitment team spends their entire lives trying to find multi-channel unicorns, but they are incredibly difficult to find. I know, for example, I know one developer who could also design, one developer who can also design, and that's in 10 years. I don't know how many developers we've worked with. I don't know how many designers we've worked with. I know one person who can do both because these people are completely different. They are almost a different species when you talk to them, when you meet them, you can tell very quickly whether they're a designer character or their developer character. So expecting someone to just come and build a website is ludicrous, except for this one person, total freak of nature. Which brings us to the next mistake that companies make when they're in-housing, which is to overestimate the cost savings. You know, let's say there's an agency charging 10 to 20,000 to run these services for business. Well, if you think about building an in-house team to replace that, by the time candidates have been hired, management has been arranged, you know, as soon as you've got seven people, you need another layer of management, you've got pensions budgeted for leave planned, 
in maternity, paternity, that type of thing, all the cost savings typically have disappeared. Now, of course, there's still going to be benefit. Remember, by hiring them in-house, you're going to get them full-time. So if there is sufficient headroom in the channel that more time will equal significantly more results, then that can still make sense. But this decision is higher risk and not justified just purely from a cost perspective. It has to be based instead on the ambition and the growth potential of that channel. Does that make sense? So if you're planning to in-house, think accurately about the number of roles required. Remember, don't rely on finding unicorns. If you're going to be running SEO yourself, you probably need someone technical SEO. You may need a developer. You're going to at least need someone who's writing content. You're probably going to need an editorial or someone who can edit the, the content that's being created. And that's a very lean SEO team, right? So what you want to do, I think accurately about the number of people that you're going to need, total up all the salary costs, including management time, benefits and contributions, overhead, and then compare that cost to an agency fee. Now you're going to go ahead with in-housing if either the cost saving is significant or the growth potential in that channel is so significant that if you say doubled or tripled the hourly output in that channel, you're going to double, triple the output in results. Does that make sense? Cool. So there's my advice on in-housing versus agencies. And it's not a blanket you should always use an agency. It's not a blanket you should always in-house. The other consideration, of course, is how much time the marketing leader wants to spend on people management. Sometimes they are fantastic people managers and that can make the decision easier to take it in-house. If they are not inclined to be people managers, and I speak from someone who matches that criteria myself, then sometimes the agency is the least stressful option. I hope you found this useful. See you next week. 